Hey everyone, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast from the Grove Church. I am Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so thankful that you are joining us. And for the next three weeks, I don't know when you're listening to this, but it is Christmas time, and these are going to come out around Christmas. And we're just going to spend some time over the next three weeks just kind of working our way through the Christmas story. And and one of the things I've discovered, I feel like I feel, is that like the stories in the Bible that we are the most familiar with are often the ones that we think that we know. And and the more I think that we know a story, or at least we, we believe that we do, the more often I feel like that we can miss what I think are maybe some really significant teachings and things that, that, that God is trying to get across to us that maybe in hindsight might even seem a little bit obvious. But the more familiar you are with the story, we just kind of think of in terms, well, I know the details of that story. But knowing the details of a story and really understanding its potential for real personal and spiritual impact are very different things. And so we're going to just spend our time over the next three sessions again, just kind of working our way through the elements of the Christmas story. And this first one, we're going to talk about the angels' visits that lead up to the birth of Jesus. And then in the second one, we're going to talk about the journey to Bethlehem and the shepherds. And then we'll wrap it up with to talk about the story of the wise men, which, you know, technically happens, you know, pretty a pretty good time after the birth of Jesus. But is so is definitely very connected to the Christmas story in our minds. And so we'll work our way through those three stories over the next three sessions. And so for our first one here, as we're thinking about the angel visits, we're going to be in primarily in Luke chapter one, um, looking at the story of the angel visiting Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, predicting the birth of John the Baptist, and then comparing and contrasting that with the angel just visiting. Mary talked to announce the birth of Jesus. And so we'll also look briefly in Matthew at the story of an, an, of an angel also visiting Joseph. But primarily we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And look here starting in verse chapter 5, Luke 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, a couple of things that I think are really important to notice, even in the kind of in the setup to this, is the first one is just kind of the hype that we're putting around Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're, all, we're, we're talking about how important their, their heritage is, how, they, how he is a priest, and she also descends from Aaron, which is the, the line that priests came from, describes him as incredibly righteous, observing all the commands, decrees blamelessly. We are putting them on a really high pedestal, both for their pedigree, for what they do, and the way that they behave. And that's going to be real important later as we kind of work our way through this story. But also, I think it's important to notice, verse 7, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And so we're already kind of, we're already seeing here, again, this is the very first story in this, in this gospel. We haven't even had Jesus yet. We're already kind of setting up this idea of a disconnect between their righteousness and their circumstance. They are blameless, but at the same time, they are experiencing suffering. They're experiencing grief. All right. 
verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And again, we've got just even more buildup. Like we've got Zechariah by lineage, by trade, by behavior, is doing everything right, is about as elite as one could get. And this year, it was his group that was that was that was serving as priests before God. It was it was their turn. And then as it was his group's turn, it was his specific turn to to go to the temple and burn the incense. It was a very special privilege that was selected for him. And it says it was chosen by lot. I mean, you can say flipping a coin, drew straws or whatever, but it was believed, and very often in scripture definitely was, but it certainly believed that this was a divine way. This was not a a random rolling of the dice. It was choosing lots in a spiritual context was essentially a way of God choosing. So we've got this really special guy who has all the right credentials, all the right background, the right job, the right behavior, and seems to be have have a have have divine choice around him. This is about as elite as a guy can get in the Jewish culture of the first century. Verse eleven. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John." He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so this elite, incredibly spiritual man has this incredible prestigious role and gets visited by an angel, which totally makes sense, a guy of this character that God would have a special connection with him and says, hey, I've chosen you for a very special thing. Uh, the, the guy who is going to essentially kind of be the forerunner for Jesus to get people's hearts ready for repentance, to kind of announce the coming of the Son of God, we've chosen you and your family and we've seen the situation that you're in, and we're going to give you a son. And there's, and, and which is a great thing. This is a great thing to celebrate, and he should be really excited. And because of who he is, we have a certain expectation of the response that he's going to have. Verse 16, verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, this is actually a very relatable response. Very relatable. I mean, he's, he's not had a kid. He's probably already, he's probably spent a lot of time grieving the fact that he was never going to have children. And it's just kind of, you know, he's, he's moved past. And, the, and this promise, it was actually really discouraging to him. Like, why, 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 honestly, like, why are you bringing this up? Why, why are you doing this? And if you're going to say something like this, I'm going to try to put my, my heart and my hope into this. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. You have to show me some kind of sign or something. How can I be sure of this? And so, on the one hand, it's incredibly relatable, but we'll also see. Let's just look at 
the angel's response. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So essentially he asked for a sign and he is given one, but not one that he necessarily wanted. Now he's not going to be able to speak until the, until the baby comes. And essentially you just see essentially Gabriel being offended by the response of like, man, you, you say that you want a sign. On the one hand, I say it's relatable, right? But on the other hand, you say you want a sign. Um, I mean, an angel showed up while you were in the temple and said all of this to you. I, I don't know what, what gets more supernatural than that, than having an angel visit you and tell you something. And we see, again, even though it is relatable on the one hand because of his grief, what we're seeing here actually is a contrast between the story that we're about to look at next with the story of the angel visiting Mary. We've got this guy who theoretically, by, by every external view, is doing everything right, is being everything right, is the best of the best. And in a moment when God visits him, he, he doesn't have faith. He doesn't, he doesn't trust. And we see Zechariah, an elite religious leader, respond with a lack of faith. Now, we are going to see Zechariah completely turns it around. He puts his faith and trust completely in God. And when it's time to name John the Baptist, they're trying to figure, hey, we're going to name this kid after his dad, which is you know, obviously kind of what you want, what, you know, what, what people do, right? I mean, and, 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 the, and the wife's like, no, we're going to name him John. So that's not a family name. Let's go to Zechariah and make sure. And, you know, he basically writes down on a little tablet, the name is John. And so as a real demonstration of his faith. So Zechariah turns it around. So I don't want to throw a whole lot of shade at Zechariah. But what we see here at the very beginning, at the very first part of Luke chapter one, is we see an introduction of a theme that just because someone comes from the right family, is a part of the right group, and is seemingly doing all of the right things, that is not the same as someone responding to Jesus and the news of Jesus and what God is trying to do in this new season, that is not a guarantee that they're going to respond the way that they're supposed to do. And so the very first story kind of intros this idea that we're going to see all throughout the gospel of the people who you would think would be the most likely people to respond positively to a new thing that God is doing, in fact, are the ones who most often respond with fear and rejection. And again, so we contrast that. We got that story. And then uh, six months later, but just down the chapter for us, Luke chapter one, verse 26, we got this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now just compare that to kind of the hype of the description of what Zachariah was, of his great lineage and who he was and what he did and what he was able to accomplish and how great he was. But now what we have here, now the angel is also visiting this girl who's a virgin, which means she's very unmarried, very young, a very young unmarried girl. In contrast to one of the elite of the elites 
of the religious and spiritual society there in with the Jewish people. And this is happening in Nazareth, a town in Galilee, which doesn't mean anything to you or me, except it just, for the people who would read this and understand this time and this location, this is a very insignificant person from a very insignificant place. She's just nobody from a town nobody would go to who's young. And so who cares? She's a woman, no big deal. I mean, in every possible way, we have Zachariah and Mary being contrasted. And again, these stories are right next to each other. And they're not just right next to each other just because of the chronology of it. They're not just right next to each other. Well, it's kind of, we got to talk about how everybody gets born. These things are right next to each other and are intentionally, there's intentionally compare and contrast. An angel visits someone to predict a birth. Hey, let's go and tell another story that essentially is the same thing. It is meant to design, it's designed to draw our attention to it, to understand what the difference is. And we see overwhelmingly a, a, a big difference between the two of them. Well, how does she respond? The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, that's just great right there because we have this person who is of no real significance, doesn't really matter in any significant way in their society. And the angel, the angel's description of her, we describe her as an unmarried virgin from an insignificant town and an insignificant, an insignificant person. And the angel describes her as highly favored and that the Lord is with her. Verse 29, Mary Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Incredibly shocking. I don't really matter. And if this was going to happen to somebody, it's not going to happen to me. Why would you say this about me? Has she ever heard anyone in her life say anything like this to her? You are highly favored. God is with you. You think that's a word, like like a speaking an empowering phrase of anything like that has been spoken to this young girl in her entire life. Highly unlikely. And so she's, she's confused. She's a little troubled. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So again, this, the description that the angel has of her, you have found favor with God. We've got this guy who has all of the favor of people compared to this person who has very little favor in her society, but has found great favor with God. And she is called to be the mother of Jesus. Now, this is her response, verse 34. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, Zachariah responds to his news with a question. Mary responds to her news with a question. Again, let's compare and contrast. Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. How will this be? since I am a virgin. One is a response of unbelief. The other one is a response of trust, a belief with just a little bit of fear, a little bit of uncertainty. 
There's no sense in which in her question that you get that she does not believe that God is going to do what has been promised. But she seems to have what we'll just call a logistical question, which is actually a pretty fair question for an unmarried woman who is who is a virgin who is pledged to be married to someone else. It's like you're going to have you're going to give birth to a son. Like so how how exactly is this going to work is a very very different question than how can I be sure what you're telling me is the truth? A, a, a supposedly spiritual leader in the community demanding a sign from an angel compared with how, how exactly is this going to happen? Because, I mean, you know, I mean, not to get too sexual here, it's probably really, it's probably a really scary thing. Like, well, what exactly is going to happen here? Is this, is this going to be after I'm married? Is something, something traumatic or sexual about to happen to me? And then the angel answers that question. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Again, we've got, we've got a pretty significant compare and contrast. And on the surface, we might think, well, you know, angel comes to them. They're both a little nervous. They both ask a question. Zachariah kind of gets the raw end of that deal. And Mary, nothing, I mean, she doesn't happen to her. But again, tone matters. Context matters. And I think if we slow down a little bit, there is. There's actually a pretty significant difference between those questions. And the fact that the patterns are the same Angel, fear, uncertainty, question. One guy gets judgment, one guy, one, and then she gets an answer. It's meant like, what's the difference? And so anytime you see something like that, that kind of brings out a, what's going on here, a, contra- a, a contrast, a comparison of some type, you slow down and you think, she responded with faith and wanted details. He responded with, I don't trust you. And then in the end, after he, she gives, you know, the angel gives her that explanation, her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. We saw her initially respond with a little bit of fear, but trust, and ends with absolute trust and faith and belief in what God is going to do. And the comparison here is important because, again, it's going to set up a theme. It's not just simply, hey, this is a, this is a story about Jesus' birth, and then we're going to kind of move on to something else. You see here in these first stories themes that are going to be true for the entire book and the entire story as a whole. A really great storyteller is going to do that. It's going to open with a very compelling story of some type that on its face is like, well, that's interesting. But the more that you read and understand the story as a whole, you're like, you go back to like, man, what this story was all about was there from the very, very beginning. And we will see this primary theme all run all throughout the book of Luke and all of the gospels, really, of the difference in the reactions that the religious leaders will have to Jesus versus the reaction that the poor and the humble and the unexpected, the tax collectors the prostitutes, the people that are caught in sin, the outcasts, the people who live on the fringes of society, lepers, outcasts, those types of people. We will, we will see the responses that they have contrast very differently than the people who you would think are supposed to have the right responses. 
And we'll also see that the people who are the least seen in their society are the ones who are most seen by Jesus, the one that his heart is drawn to. And so Mary, who is by all accounts for in her society, a no one is, has found favor with God, is highly favored, and God is with her. And so we learn a lot about Jesus and who he's going to be and what his ministry is going to be about in the compare and contrast between these two stories. This, is, this, this Jesus is end up going to have an incredible heart for the Marys in his world and is going to have a lot of difficulty with the Zacharias of his world. Again, I don't want to throw too much shade at Zachariah because he does turn it around and he does respond. And, and again, it's a very relatable. And, you know, most of the Pharisees and the religious leaders that Jesus is going to interact with are not going to have any sort of moment of coming back to God and putting their faith and trust back in God like Zachariah does here. So, so shout out to him. But at the same time, the comparison and the contrast there is of, is of incredible importance. And so I think this is one of the themes, not just simply of the Christmas story as a whole, but also of Jesus' life as a whole and what God is calling us to be. To not look at and matter, and it shouldn't matter as much, like what society thinks and what people, what people look like from the outside. But God's heart was and is always with the downcast, the outsider, the one who feels unseen. And because we're here, so we, we might as well just wrap this up with a brief look at the, at the last story. And it's in Matthew chapter one. So that's a, this, this is a different book, different, different story, a different telling of the story of Jesus. It's something that's not included in Luke, but is included here in Matthew, but it does involve the visiting of an angel. So it just kind of makes it interesting. We don't want to put the same sort of intense compare and contrast to it because it's, again, this is a completely different book, a completely different gospel. But while we're here, let's just look at it. Matthew chapter one, this is a, uh, uh, the story of Joseph. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So it works out great chronologically. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what a crazy story that is. I mean, it's happened to Zachariah. It's crazy. What happens to Mary is crazy. But Mary gets a measure of confirmation, right, of she ends up pregnant, and she knows, she knows she didn't have sex with anybody. Joseph, on the other hand, his fiance has turned up pregnant, he knows he didn't have sex with her, and he knows there's only one way somebody gets pregnant, and he gets visited in a dream, and an angel says this to him. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, 
and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. It is, in fact, one of, one of the most incredible responses that you could possibly imagine. I mean, just to think about how Joseph responded to that. I mean, we just, just a direct response of faith. He wakes up the next morning and, and does what God called him to do. So again, again, we don't want to, I don't want to oversell the comparison between this and the other two, but again, we just kind of, we just kind of set it up here. A humble nobody is how we start off the Matthew chapter one. Just, just a dude, just a guy from a place. It doesn't matter. Not of any great significance responding to God with faith. And so as we launch into, I mean, you launch into our Christmas season, you may feel unseen, you may feel unnoticed, you may feel like you don't matter, but I want you to know that the God of the universe, he sees you, he loves you, and he is calling you, he's putting, he's reaching his hand out to you, he's reaching his heart out to you. And let us begin this Christmas season by humbly responding to him with faith. So thanks so much for joining us. And if you are listening to this at the Christmas season, 2022 Christmas season, you know that the series that we're doing at the church right now isn't particularly Christmassy. So I hope you're enjoying it's a little bit more traditional Christmas talk here as we're working our way through the Christmas story. And we do hope that you'll join us at the Grove if you're, if, if, if you're not. And if you're um, in Northwest Arkansas, we'd love to see you sometime. You can find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect get all the details about our services. We'd love to see you. And if you're living off site somewhere, you can go to that same page. You can learn more about our church. You can follow our services online. Either way, we'd love to know that you're listening. Please let us know. We'd love to see you. Any way that we can help you, serve you, please let us know. Again, thank you so much for joining us.